podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Blake McCullough. So, Blake, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Today, on this Donless episode of Products of Grace, we're going to take a page out of Don's book. Don typically binds episode with a s- episodes with a specific topic, which, in my book, is very imaginative. One of my mm-hmm. favorite parts of the podcast. So, in Don's absence, I think we should operate by the book and discuss some intricately connected topics. But by this point, the audience may have already read me like a book. Holy moly. So, Lawson, are you ready to hit the books? Oh my goodness, that was a lot. Sure. Before we hit the books, um, do, you, do you know the phrase, bring someone to book? No. It's... uh. It's like settling a score to bring someone to book and or confronting something <laughs> terrible that someone did. I'm actually terrified about <laughs> what's happening now. So Lawson, <coughs> audience, Lawson tried to bring Don and I to book this week and said that we were not eating our mics uh, enough in last week's episode, which is why you couldn't hear us. We don't know it if that's true. It was not the only reason. That's not the we only We don't know reason. if that's true. It could be. Something with the editing, we don't know. But if you were wanting to bring us to book about our inconsistency in our sound levels, um, you can direct all of those, what's the word, grievances, to Lawson at mercyhillob.org. <coughs> all right, so, so Don's on vacation. Indeed. Um, if you could pinpoint the amount of vacations Don's taken in the last twelve months, what would the uh, what would the number be? Fourteen, <laughs> at least fourteen. I think that's close. Um, if you no, so more importantly, I had this great idea. If you could plan a vacation for Don to be the perfect vacation for Don, what would you do? What would it be? That's actually really hard. Um, it would be somewhere that had some of the best dining around. Okay. Because he, he loves food. Okay. Um, somewhere that would be private with not many people around. So mm-hmm. a an isolated beach that did not require <laughs> flight with excellent food. That's what I have. <coughs> I like it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Food had to be involved. Yeah. No people. <laughs> Ping pong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some documentaries. There had to be like a 36 Netflix, documentaries. A Netflix account yeah, at for the sure. Airbnb. All right, are you familiar with the term, the phrase, to throw the book at? Yeah, which is essentially, I think so. It's like... Your dad's a lawyer. So yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. It's the book of the law. Yeah, so like if you want to punish someone, yeah. you throw the book at them, right? Like yeah. You get all of the punishments for the law. So if you were to throw the book at at Don for a vacation, if you were going to plan the perfectly terrible vacation for Don, what would you... Uh, Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> but, but, but he can't eat at Disney World at any of the restaurants. It's Disney World where you have to take your own cooler. Of, uh, oh, <laughs> my goodness. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that. Disney World, your own cooler, no food. And I'm trying to think. Can't stay at Disney World. Like it has You have to, to, you like have to travel via tram the way yeah. in every single day. It's like an off-brand resort. And make him keep three people's (laughs) children. Take them on all. You know what I mean? Like you have to. You have to actually bow to the whims of the three children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For a group. Yeah. That he doesn't know. Perfect. (laughs) 
I love it. All right. So follow up. Have you ever had a vacation that felt like you were being thrown the book? Have you ever had a vacation that you felt like was punishment? Uh, often. Every vacation. Color that in for us. I don't. I don't vacate. We we did a full episode on my lack of desire for vacation. This is all just a commercial for that episode. I enjoy the first, the first two days. days. Normal, and by days I mean one sleep. Mm. So I enjoy the first day because that's normally we're going to go eat dinner and it's really chill because everybody's traveled and they're tired. Yeah. And the second day is great. By the end of the second day, I'm done. Want to be home? That's so. I love traveling so much that. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go. Like, I enjoy the act of traveling. It's terrible. And so I, everything's a, va- every time I go out of town, it's a vacation for me. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't know, I get really excited about, like, well, what am I going to listen to in all these hours driving or I'm going to eat? New Does your, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does your wife let you listen to podcasts and books while you travel? If she's asleep. Does that happen? Or if I have my AirPods in. You do not put your AirPods in while you're traveling yes, with I your do. family. So does Don, and you're outnumbered. I don't have noise canceling, so I can hear bad. I'm things just telling happen. you right now that if I put if I put my earbuds in while we were traveling, it would not end well for me. Oh, you're saying I thought you were saying it was a it was a safety thing. No, no, not uh, a safety thing. It's like a relational thing. I want. Oh, to. well, I mean, sometimes Sarah puts her own headphones in. I can honestly say, in the entirety of my marriage. No one has ever put their earbuds in in the car. I mean, not like when we're driving 20 minutes, but when it's like no, no, eight no, I'm hours. Sa- I'm saying like long travel. It's oh never happened. But yeah, if, you're missing out. No, really, because so the last time, so don't judge me, but when I when I travel, I do listen to like novels that I care about, Yeah. Um, which is very rare for me to do. But it's like the last time I listened to a novel, I was on the way back from the beach and don't judge me, but I was listening to the newest World of Warcraft book. It just goes to say you can't judge a book by its cover. Holy moly. And, uh, and Beth, I said, Beth, why don't you go to sleep, love? So I, was, <laughs> I was like, I know, I know that I'm driving five hours regardless, and it's right. like if you go to sleep, then I can listen to this book that I can be entertained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking of vacation and reading, vacation is for reading. So I know that you hate True. vacation, but vacation is an opportunity to read. So my question is, do you think Don took a book slash books on vacation with him? I don't know. He's been so shut down by reading by Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't know if he started reading again. So that's what I was wondering. Like if I could pinpoint what I thought he would take to read to the beach, I kind of was like. Uh, it would be Rise uh, Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. That was the most recent book that he, put, he picked up. That's exactly what I'm reading right now. And it's excellent. I'm like, 30 minutes from being done. Oh, wow. You're ahead of me then. Really? I got sidetracked. Oh, hello. All right. <laughs> so you leave for vacation tomorrow. What kind of book are you taking on vacation? Like, Do you have a specific repertoire of vacation type books or is it just like an extension of your regular life? It's an extension of my regular life. All right. I read what I want to read. Okay. What do you want to read? I like, read, <coughs> I read sermons. Okay. I read... Um, I read theological works. Um, like, I enjoy that. That's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, I might pick up, if, I, if I'm if i on the beach normally, I read at least one book by C.S. Lewis. Mm. Um, he's just, he's fun to read regardless whether it's his, like, mere Christianity all the way to Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. Um, but more often than not, I take at least one A.W. Pink book because he's my, he's my go-to. Um and 
I, I normally never finish any of it. I read real slow, so which most people are surprised by. Hmm. We're, we're going to come back to books you want to read in a second. Okay. Um, would you consider yourself a bookworm? No. Why not? Because I know people that like can devour like 30 books at a time. I'm really not that guy. I, I take a lot of time in reading, and my goal is always, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, my goal is to really gather it. Yeah. And so if you if you grab any book that I've actually worked through, it looks like someone has destroyed this book with mm. pen and with a pen. And that's because I, I, I kind of like work through arguments mm. as I'm reading. Yeah, I can attest. But I'm really slow. Okay. So you wouldn't consider yourself a bookworm. What are you reading? So I know you said you're reading Rise and Triumph, but what else are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. I'm reading three books for Which is a really great book, by the it way. It is excellent. It, it's really helpful. You should read it. Carl Truman. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I've, I've become a fan of Carl Truman in, yeah. in this book, really. The um, I'm reading, I'm reading three books of school, but I don't really count those. Those are just like, I've got to do that. Okay. Um, I'm reading, almost always I'm reading Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. I have that largely on rotation. Um, let's see. Hold on. <laughs> Let me look. Because I, I rotate. Oh, I'm reading... Um, <laughs> this is a funny one. I'm reading Urban Apologetics by Eric Mason, mm-hmm. um, who, just as a fun fact, I'm not an Eric Mason fan. I read books that I am normally going to disagree with. Yeah, I think this is an important thing to point out about you that I I admire is that you are willing and ready to read books you don't agree with to dissect their arguments. Yeah, it seems like, and I think that's I think that's something yeah. that can be emulated, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you. So, like, I read, I read Woke Church by Eric Mason. I expected this to be a repeat of that. The first two or three chapters are. They're yeah. actually some of the most hateful um, mm. words that I've ever read in a book. Mm. But the latter half of it's actually really interesting because it's it's cults that have that have taken unique root in the African American community, mm. and um and and says kind of lays out the lays out the cult by itself and then kind of talks about how we can evangelize it. And so the second half of the book is really helpful. Yeah, that's what I was, I saw a couple of people who are contributors that I was like, oh, kind of like, that would be interesting to see what they had to yeah, say. Yeah, certainly. The The first three chapters are on whiteness. Yeah. And it's, but and it after is. After that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it really, so it was really helpful to me. Um, the Fear of God by Bunyan. Um, I'm reading that. I'm a little, I'm, I'm somewhat into that. And then um, I'm normally rotating through Spurgeon sermons or, um, picking up, and this is what I've, I've like have on my desk ready to read, which is um, the chapter on the love of God by Stephen Charnock and the existence and attributes of God. I meant to read it before the sermon from Sunday, <laughs> but I just d- couldn't get to it. <laughs> Oops. Uh, so you kind of already answered my next question, which points out a difference that you and I have, which is you just mentioned like 47 books that you're reading at the same time. Yeah. And I'm unable to do that. Like I enjoy yeah. closure so much, <laughs> yeah, 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 that I have to start and finish at like before I start a new one. Yeah, which really uh, upsets me. I, like I wish I could do something differently. I've tried. The only thing that I've picked up is that I can be listening to a book and, and reading a book at the same, uh, not at the uh, literal same yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And like, but incongruence and be okay with that. Yeah, but. So speaking of listening, of all those you mentioned, how many are you listening to? Um, three. Which is 
The Rise and Fall of the Modern Self, which I really have put down. I'll come back to it eventually. Urban Apologetics and The Fear of God. So I saw an argument on Twitter the other day that said listening is not reading. They're wrong. Why? I think, but I do think it's dependent on the part on the person. Okay. So for me, um, I I learn by hearing. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you were to walk in, I tell uh, Beth makes fun of me because she says my study time is loud. Mm. Um, and so like if I'm in my office and I'm studying, <laughs> normally you're talking. I'm either I'm either preventing myself, like forcing myself not to talk out loud. <laughs> Uh, because I know someone will hear me, um, or I'm reading out loud and working through the arguments audibly, and it's just because that's the way my mind works. So hearing has always been the way that I retain something, mm. um, and so like I go back and listen to sermons from like years ago mm. because I'll I'll hear something from sermons from years ago, and and then be like, oh man, I forgot that. Mm. But once I hear it again, normally I'll keep it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about the other day. I was in my personal pastor's parlor at my home. Which is far superior uh, to the I mean, pastor. No, 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 no. Let nope. the listeners decide. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, and <coughs> so like on one wall, I have a wall of whiteboards, and I was I had my sermon written out on it. Yeah. And a certain member of our congregation came over and was like, that's so wild. Like your sermon outline is literally on the wall right yeah. now. And I said, yeah, because I have to like, I'll stand here with my Bible yep. and preach to that wall. And he was like, Oh really? Well, I, let me serve you. And he drew a picture of like seven individuals. One of them that is very obviously you me. And so oh now gosh. I have seven individuals to preach to. How uh, do you, how do you I, draw a man that is very obviously me? It just, I'll, I'll have to. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to see a picture of, of that. A picture of it. He messed up your beard, but otherwise. He messed up my beard. He forgot a mustache. And so it looks like you just kind of have like the, oh, wow. the chin strap deal. Anyway, um, so this is something that's really interesting to me as a phenomenon. And I want to know if you thought about it. It seems like in the modern age. It is almost assumed that if you have your nose in a book, it's another idiom. Oh. Sorry, if you have your nose in a book, that it is automatically virtuous. That reading is virtuous in and of itself. Mm. You think that's a fair assumption for the modern age? Yeah, I actually do. So, because of technology, this is an interesting. Okay, because of technology, movies, TV show, it's yeah. considered more virtuous if you're someone who sits in a mm. corner and reads a book. Yeah than someone who binges Netflix. So two people are inside of Starbucks, one sitting there watching a documentary on Netflix, the other one is reading a book. I assume the one reading the book is a better person. Yes. Yes. So <coughs> it could not have always been like this, right? No. Like I, I think it's an interesting phenomenon that we see book reading as automatically more virtuous. Mm -hmm. But in past times, like I feel like someone could have been under church discipline for reading too much. You think that's a fair assumption? Depending on what they were reading. Yeah, like being yeah. like being lazy or being Oh yeah. I don't know, like well entertaining themselves to death. Yeah. Cuz you can entertain yourself to death via book via book. So could reading have been like what what CS Lewis talked about as staring, staring into at fire. The fire? I think so. Absolutely. I think that's so interesting because in our modern day like we have Well, clarify the staring at fire cuz I don't have we discussed this before? Remind our remind our listeners. So C.S. Lewis then. talks about it's in Screw Tape letters, and Screw Tape <laughs> obviously is an antagonist, but he's presented as a protagonist. He is he is trying to get people to not follow God, and basically, and mm. he says, basically, 
convince the patient or the person that the demon is working on to to stare endlessly at the fire at mm-hmm. night instead of sleep or you know doing something constructive and so i think sometimes i think reading is is that right yeah. depending on what you're reading but it is interesting that in our world like it is automatically considered virtuous yep and so i kind of thought about that in my own life because one of the things i'm trying to do is go back and read all of the books i was supposed to read in high school oh yeah that i spark noted instead mm. and it's like really rich I'm yeah. reading like faulkner and you know all kinds of people I'm like, as wow. you prescribe books for high school you have to go back and read the ones that you were supposed no, to no the read. things i read as a teacher are terrible yeah uh, and so i'm going back and reading the wh- things i wanted to read um but it was interesting because I was reading Faulkner and I was like, there's nothing necessarily redemptive in this book. No. Yeah. But I consider it virtuous because it's not Netflix and it's not a movie. Yeah. Your first thoughts, I'm being profitable and it's like, no, you're just entertaining yourself in a different way. Right. Yeah. The only, the only difference for me is that I can listen to a book while I do something else I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like mow the lawn or. Oh yeah. The dishes, which it'd be kind of hard for me to watch a movie while doing that. Yeah. You can't do that. Or drive or whatever. But anyway, it's just an interesting phenomenon to so me. I, so are you going to go in? So th- I just want to know what your thoughts are. No, I mean, so I actually think this is really helpful because I think that a ton of people read for the sake of making themselves more virtuous. And I'll throw this probably in particular in the pastoral office. Yeah. It's like, oh, I read 24-7. And it's like, uh, okay. Right. Good talk. <laughs> and, my, and my first thought is like, because for the longest time, I remember hearing like this language of, are you a pastor or are you a preacher? Mm. And normally preacher was associated with, I sit in my study and, my, and I read books all day. And the Which past- was the was connoted as being a bad pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always, they were kind of pitted against each other. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 like I devote days to reading and to study. But normally at this point in my life, like I what I read and what I study is being determined by what's happening in the congregation and ultimately what's being preached. Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, like, there was a, and there is, and I think this is really true often of like puffiness that comes from reading mm-hmm. is like, oh, I've read 30 books in the last year. Right. It's like, good for you. <laughs> I, what did you learn? Right. Like yeah. I, I can, I can blast through a book and not learn a single thing, mm. but in the real, and this is what, this is what made me go from finishing a book to just reading it, which mm-hmm. I guess are two different things was uh, one of the guys from or uh, w- the former pastor of Longview Point, Wade Humphrey, said, um, I've just started giving my per- my per- myself permission to not finish books. Um, and it's mm-hmm. like I read them for their substance, and if I get the substance before I finish reading it, then I, then I move on. Or if it's just a chapter that I'm looking for, then I get the book and I read the chapter and I move on. Mm-hmm. And that's been really helpful to me. Yeah, when people walk into my pastor parlor, they're like, oh, I bet you haven't even read all these books. Yeah. And I say, you're right. Because not all books have to be read True. from beginning to end. Yep. Uh, but also, I heard something today in my extensive research. This guy said that <laughs> that typically the best portion of a book is the first third. Yeah, for sure. And he said if the first third wasn't great, then the the Just second two thirds are going to be not as good yep. as even that, and so you don't have to finish it. Yep. And I was like, that's really freeing because because I like completion. I will I will plod through through Ugh. a book. Like walking through mud because I want to finish it. Oh, what a nightmare. Um, I also keep track of the books that I read because I just want to be able to remember. Like, like you write it down? Yeah. 
because I want to be able in to that re- tiny notebook you have. No, I get new notebooks every month, so I oh, could gotcha. write it in this. But it's like on another p- piece of paper, just to be like, it, to call to mind the things that maybe I picked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's um, a good idea, though. So you would have like, this is what I read. This is what stood out to me. Yeah, well, no, not necessarily, but the title of it will remind me what it was about. Yeah. Or like the author or whatever. So like in Truman's book. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm probably about halfway through it. Yeah. The three, like the two things that stood out to me is yeah. the, and this, I hear that he kind of preaches toward the end of the book on this one. So I don't, I haven't gotten there, but is that the sexual revolution was slow yeah. and we thought it was fast. It wasn't. And death works. Yeah. Literally those t- literally. And so language to me is so important because if I get a new category, all of a sudden things start going in them. Mm-hmm. And so like those two things really were helpful to me. And if I didn't get anything else from the book and I got those two, then I'm counting that as a win. Yeah, I think the big thing I picked up from it was that <coughs> the sexual revolution didn't start as a unified front. Yeah. Like in the sense that we kind of lump all of the sexual revolution together. Yeah. But he makes a really big argument that the L and the G like categorically should be against the other the T. Yeah, absolutely. And same way. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting, like, people who set aside differences basically to mm-hmm. create a revolution, yeah. uh, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, so I do that. I like categorize, not categorizing, but just list them. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. know where I've been. Um, so we're going to get into like kind of a biblical understanding of this, but what I, I, uh, wanted to kind of move into reading Christian books because I feel like people who listen to our podcast, you know, like may have different opinions yeah. on what a Christian book is, what should be read, what shouldn't be read. Um, and so sweet, sweet man sent me a video of Paul Washer who mm. I think I made it known on this podcast. Like I can't really listen to Paul Washer sermons or I kind of quit, uh, for various reasons, but I, this wasn't a sermon. He was just talking yeah. for like 30 minutes. Um, not about the Bible, so it wasn't a sermon. And he mm. said, uh, he said, yeah, I don't really read that many books. Yeah. And I was like thinking about that and I uh, was just kind of wondering what thought processes kind of went on in Christian circles about books. And so when you're thinking about reading a Christian book, do you, do you create a, a difference in your mind between a Christian book and a non-Christian book? Like for how you approach said book? No. So you just you, you see all books the same. Yeah, I mean, so it ultimately is about truth claims. And so like if I'm picking up so one of the one of the most helpful books I've read in a long time wasn't a Christian book. Um mm-hmm. and it was Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership. Yeah. Um it was an ex- it. excellent book, incredibly helpful. Um what's really funny about it is you can read Proverbs and get the same stuff. <laughs> um nothing new under yeah. the sun. Okay. So, do you, you don't have criteria for like... Well, I say that I'm probably more critical of the Christian books. Right. I start off saying, look, the, the truth claims that are going to be made here, because if it's, a, if it's a Christian book, the concept is like I'm going to write about something that does have an absolute truth, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I, am, I am more critical from the start. The only book that I read differently than every other book is the Bible. Hmm. We're going to get there. Yeah, I figured. Um, so... What would you recommend to someone, like say there's a listener right now who is just, who is looking to like maybe turn over a new page in their life <laughs> Golly. and start being a, a reader, Yeah, right? Like they read their Bible yeah. faithfully, but they want to read good books as well. Yeah. 
what like what do you recommend i mean even take don so don got tired of reading because of fox yeah, it killed him it killed what him. would you do to encourage don to pick pick up a book again um read what you love okay right so if i'm and i'm assuming we're talking about christian books or we're talking about just in general i i think in general but i mean i think like i think objectively there are if i'm encouraging someone to read i'm encouraging them to read something that's going to be true and biblical right and that's what yeah. i'm saying objectively it, it you could make the claim yeah that reading christian books the right christian books yeah. is good for your soul and it yeah it does something different for me than any any other book like right. if i read a novel i don't walk away with my affections start yes. right um and so i'm going to read stuff that i do believe will stir my affections in a true in a true and genuine way mm. So this is why this this is why Pink's Attributes of God is always on rotation for me, is because it did something unique in me when I read it the first time, and mm-hmm. amazingly, it still does the exact same thing. Um, and it's just because it exalts the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if I'm going to read books, and I and I and I really wouldn't advise people to read books the way that I read books. Um, like I wouldn't encourage ninety percent of our congregation to be like, "Hey, go pick up." Um, go pick up Eric Mason's Woke Church or go pick up yeah. Color of... Like, I just really wouldn't do that. Like a book that you know is not going to have... Yeah, there was there was one book I read recently that was just, oh, Reading While Black, yeah. um, which essentially invites a, a hermeneutic that is based on an ethnicity as opposed mm. to a, a, a biblical uh, seeking for truth hermeneutic, a spiritual hermeneutic, if you would. Right. And so I would encourage people to pick up books that... Um, are going to start their affections for Christ, are going to be true. Um, and so, you know, one of the books that I hand out more frequently than, than most um, is uh, What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert. It's my favorite book. It's a tiny little book mm-hmm. that it's like you think you understand the gospel. Praise be to God. If you do understand it, then you're going to read this book and you're going to find yourself going yes and amen multiple times. If you have any perhaps small areas that need some development, Greg, Greg Gilbert's going to hit it and it's going to mm. be helpful to you. Mm. Um, so that's good. But sermons are the number one thing that I encourage people to read. Mm. Um, I hand out and tell people, read Christ is Best by Richard Sibbs. Mm-hmm. For every pastor, I want them to read um, Spiritual Revival, The Want of the Church by Charles Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Um if you read that, like if a pastor reads that and his soul isn't stirred to passionately serve the body of Christ, you need to find the new profession. <laughs> um, and uh, if you if you can read Christ is best and still think that this world is best, then I I mean I don't know what to tell you. Hmm. Yeah, I mean I think like being able to hand people copies of books yeah. or like recommend them is a helpful yeah. thing that like we have the privilege to do. So. Yeah. If you're out there and you want a book, you just heard a bunch. Literally, yeah. Uh, and if you want another book, then, you know, ask one of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think pointing our attention to the scriptures, are there any scriptures that in your mind inform our reading of Christian books? Like, are there any scriptures that you would point to that would say, like, because of this scripture, I think it, it is a good thing to read Christian books? Mm-hmm. Uh, or kind of what to look for in a Christian book. Like I have a couple in mind, but I'm I'm wondering if you have any scriptures in mind that you think. Yeah. Um, so I think the first one that I think is kind of funny is that in Ecclesiastes he says the reading of many books wearies the soul. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I think is is an interesting and maybe an important um, section of scripture just to remind us that it's not all about just sitting down and and, and reading in that way to mm. for the sake of studying. I think. I, 
I think reading can often be, as we've already mentioned, an, an intellectual flex. Yeah. Um, but this one, I think, would inform what we read and why we read. Um, so if we're dealing with specifically Christian books, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever mm-hmm. is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I've discovered about reading for me is it provokes thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can normally tell when I haven't been reading stuff that's thought-provoking because I can, I mean, you know, we can we get into routines and things like that, and as you get into routines, you kind of get into your same normative thought patterns. Yeah. And sometimes you just need something to shake it up. Mm. And um, and a lot of times, shaking it up isn't teaching you something new. It's being like, hey, you haven't thought about this in a while. Mm-hmm. You're ten years older. Mm-hmm. Think about this now and see, you know. And so, yeah, whatever is true, I think, is what we should pursue in our reading. Yeah, that's one of the ones I had picked out. Another one was like. <sighs> First Corinthians ten thirty one in the sense oh, yeah. that like if you can't worship while reading it, mm-hmm. then it's probably because like I I think it would be hard for us to say you have to read books other than the Bible, right? Like, Agreed, yeah. But it would be equally hard to say you could read whatever book. Like not every book is up to your conscience to decide if you can or should. <laughs> yes, it. accurate. And so like I think that is a good guide for our conscience, right? Like First Corinthians ten thirty one saying. You know, if you can read this and worship the Lord, then 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 that's fine. Another one that I was thinking that was kind of outside the box is Proverbs thirteen twenty, that says, "Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise." Yeah. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. And yeah. so the sense of like, there are wise individuals mm. from history that we can proverbially walk with in a yeah. book, um, that I think is helpful for us as we read. Yeah, and I think. There are, there's a weird relationship between author and reader, especially yeah. if the reader really does invest and spend time with a particular author. Yeah, um, I would say that I, that I know, um, A. W. Pink in a sense. Like yeah. I've spent enough time with A. W. Pink to where I can come to a passage and I can be like, I know how he would interpret this, would and all, and maybe be like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But in like Richard Sibbs, like I can, those, those two men in particular, I've invested enough time with where I feel like, I mean, I, I, I know them a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Um, it was like, I told you after we finished John, it was like, I feel like I know this guy now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's that walking with the wise and that relationship I think is rather unique. Yeah. Yeah. I think like when you think about writers that you continually go back yeah. to, I mean, you've, you've Matthew Henry's another one to me, like. Piper, like you know, yeah. when John Pipe, like you know that you can read his introduction and probably figure out what the book's yeah, gonna be book. about from kind of just knowing him like that. Yeah. So um, he's a prime example of if the first three <laughs> chapter, if the first third of the book isn't good, yeah. just move on. <laughs> but but most of the time, you get everything you need from the first third of the book anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like I, I agree. I think, and that's what I struggle. That's why I think I feel like I'm walking through mud at the end of books a lot of times because yeah. it's like he said it already 30 times now he's re-saying it yeah. maybe he's going into more depth maybe he's not yeah maybe he's just talking yeah uh and so yeah i'm, I'm with you on that uh i think the bottom line though that we kind of pick up from reading christian books is that we should read between the lines oh my goodness and be discerning yeah uh, because they're not the bible um but speaking of the bible charles spurgeon said visit many good mm-hmm. books but live in the bible yeah. And I don't want to close the books. Golly. 
on our conversation about reading without discussing Bible reading. So, Lawson, what is your Bible reading process? Uh, so, mine's probably odd. Um, my normal, um, my reading plan, right? So, this is what I think pretty much every Christian is going to do is a reading plan. Mm-hmm. Um, my reading plan is the Robert Murray McShane reading plan. Mm-hmm. This is the first year I've ever done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listen to it. Like I said, I'm all, I'm I'm auditory, Same. Um, and uh, so I, as a general rule, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, um, I drink coffee, uh, and <laughs> then and then I get in my like every day I get in my car, mm-hmm. and so I start my day normally in the car, and I and I listen to the Robert Murray McShane reading plan. So I'm behind because I started late. I, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm behind no- on too. Yeah, I'm normally like I don't. I, I'm like, I don't want to do a reading plan. And this year I was like, you know what? I've never done it. Let's dig in and do it. But I decided that in February. So, um, do you, what, what do you use to listen? Dwell. So I, I love dwell because it doesn't really judge me. It just tells me what day I'm on. It doesn't tell me. Exactly. The day. Exactly. It's like you're on day 72 yeah. or whatever it is. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. thank you, dwell. And they recently added, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they recently added a read along thing. So if you, if you, you have it open, it you just swipe it. to the right yeah. and it will, and it'll pull up the verses, which is really don't helpful. Don't do driving. Huh? I don't do that while I'm driving. Um, but that's, so I, when I think about Bible intake, that's one, I think about that's the macro, like that's like shove it in, like yeah. get as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like water. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to drink. Um, and I have to or I'll die. Right. The The other is like intense mining labor, mm-hmm. which I think both of these things are necessary for every Christian, but obviously especially for the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um and so I spend a large amount of time, probably probably 20 hours mm. a week in the text that I'm preaching for for Sunday. Yep. Uh, when I was in seminary, you probably told this too, that your preaching text shouldn't be your devotional text. Mm-hmm. I think that's the dumbest thing on the planet. I agree and disagree with you. I'll, I'll, talk, I'll tell you in a minute. Why. Okay, because for me, um, I, want to, I want to get... Um, I want my soul to be on fire by the text that I'm preaching. Agreed. And so that means for me, and I may just be slower than others, but for me, it means like, like the it hit me for this Sunday uh, in my study before before church began. Hmm. Uh, I was I was writing, so I have a blue notebook that I write kind of the concluding devotional thought for myself in for most sermons, not all of them, but in this one, I was like, I was writing about you know needing to be thrilled by these things, and as I was writing, it was interesting that the application of this text was that if I could ruin the salvation that you've provided, it would have been while I was yet a sinner mm. and being comforted by the reality that right now I do feel my affections are weak and slow, but you love me all the more now than you did when you justified me. Mm-hmm. And that's mine, not because of anything that I've done, but because of something that you've done. And so sometimes it takes me a long time for that devotional reality to hit. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think my only... So I agree with you. Like I, I'm going to study in depth the texts that I'm going to preach the week. Yeah. If I know the two weeks before, uh, you've been a month I know, out. I know, I know okay. I'm saying praise the Lord. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I know this yeah. time. Uh, but, um, I think also like, so I was listening to Paul Washer today and, I, yeah. and he was talking about how, you know, like there are things that thrill his soul, right? Like that macro intake of yeah. the scripture, but it's also like, sometimes you have to wrestle with a, a he said, wrestle with a preposition for three hours. And yeah. It's like, that's not necessarily the thing that's thrilling my soul. Yeah. And so there is a sense of getting the other as well, which I think in what you talked about is modeling. Yeah. Like there is, 
there is glory in getting something else from scripture and then spending the time as well in the sermon text. Certainly. And I do. I, I, I think my process is similar, right? Like I listen to the macro yeah. of scripture and then we'll kind of like dig in on whatever it is, whether it's student stuff or yeah. if I'm preaching. But that, um, but see, like, I, I guess maybe the difference is, you know, you preach at this point every four weeks, I think, mm-hmm. is the general idea anyway. <laughs> and, uh, but for someone who is in it week after week, yeah. like, I, the reason I, I walked out saying I know John is because I literally spent, a, I spent two and a half years yeah. staring at John. Yeah. And so, like, one of the things that I had to learn, and I think most Christians probably have a desire to like, and we we've had we've had young men tell us this, where they want to be like, man, I just want to be where y'all are. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, we want to be where you are. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, being in a being in a healthy church, being loved, being taught the scriptures. But I wanted to rush it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being nineteen or younger, really fifteen, and wanting to rush in and get all that I could possibly get in the first three years of my Christian life. Yep. And it's like. That's not going to end well, um, and so like I want to I want to layer those things, which means that I've got to be content getting like I I'm gonna, like I'm going to take as much into Romans as I possibly can, mm-hmm. and then in you know next year or two years or whenever we get out of Romans next year is very uh, <laughs> not generous. feasible yeah yes. not feasible, but you know and then when we get out it's like I want to know Romans yeah um, and so I just I'm okay with the slow hmm. development yeah. For sure. Anyway. Um, so, like, when you think about um, Bible plans, we, we like, workshopped an episode on this, and then we dropped it. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is what I was thinking of when I said yeah, that I thought, I, thought we, I thought we had done this. It's, yeah. a, it's a ghost episode. Yeah. So we put, out a, we put out a Facebook poll. At the beginning of the oh. year, and said, "What, I remember what this, Bible yeah. reading yeah, plan yeah. are you doing, and how's it going, or yeah. something like that?" And literally, no one responded. Yeah, so no one was. It wasn't going well. Zero for people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, like, what are the pros and cons, like, especially for someone like I think there are probably people who listen to us who are saying, like, "All right, it is May, and I, I screwed it's up. Dead. My plan it's dead. It's dead. Yeah, yeah. I made it to Leviticus or Numbers or whatever, yeah. and I, I put up a good fight, but like." <laughs> I now I'm like, you know, reading a psalm every, you know, once every three yeah. or four days. Yeah. Like for someone who is trying to, you know, hop back into Bible reading. Yeah. Like what what do we say to that person besides like repent and obey? But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, what do we say practically to that person? Like, hey, this is how you can jump right back into your Bible reading. Yeah. I mean, you can literally just jump back into your Bible reading today and be behind. Who cares? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, There's, we actually don't have a test here. We create you walk in the, the door. calendar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, it's like, I think that there is a, I think you need to know who you are. Yeah. And so if you're a Bible reading guy, I'm not a Bible reading guy. The only reason that the Bible reading plan is working for me right You're now. You're not a plan guy. I'm not. You you are a Bible reading guy. I am. A, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. <laughs> I am a Bible reading guy. I'm not a Bible reading I really reading don't plan even guy. think it's that important yeah, to yeah, read. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, if it wasn't for Audible, not Audible, sorry. If it wasn't for Dwell, Dwell yes. I would probably be further behind because I'm so, I'm so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not interest. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't know what you're saying. Not interest. Uh, curiosity driven. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm more prone to be like, you know what? I haven't read First Samuel in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go dive into First Samuel. Yeah. 
And so, like, I'll, I'll read, you know, basic premise, three chapters a day, whatever book I want to be in. That's what I've done since mm-hmm. I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not, if you if the Bible reading plan for you, it, it doesn't matter what it is, if it's chronological, if it's Robert Murray McShane, if it's, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, whatever it may be, and it's fine. Mm. Like, no one's mastered this. No one's come up with a, like, Jesus did not tell you this is how many you have to read. Yeah. He did tell you what you should be looking for as you read, right? Um, which is him. <laughs> uh, but you know that that's that's more of it for me. I mean, I would if I would to encourage anybody, it would be it would be read in a way that that stirs. And I know I keep on going about this that stirs your affections. Like yeah. I want to um, that that is fruitful and feeding for you. And I think all of Scripture is. So I don't jump out of Leviticus. I'm reading Leviticus right now, and I just got through the portion that was the cleansing of lepers. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I was so reminded of the, the grace that is in Christ yeah, no doubt. to cleanse lepers like myself. Mm. Um, and so, you know, dive in, be faithful, but know how to read your Bible, I yeah. think, is more important. Yeah, which I think happens in, like, y- you see modeled how to read your Bible mm. through coming and being part of Lord's Day worship. Yeah. Through being part of a missional community, through, you know, kind of, interacting with the scriptures with a group of people. Can, can I say something that's kind of maybe odd? Yeah. Um, you know, the Bible in everybody's hand is actually pretty new. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and it's a great blessing, most certainly. And you should you should be glad to intake it. Um, one of the things that Don and I were talking about over the last couple of weeks, you know, he was, you know, he went on a, a sick vacation for, you know, like two months. <laughs> and... Uh, and you know that is the best word for it. Yeah, it was yeah. a vacation. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but in that in that time, him and I spoke just briefly on how our lives are dependent upon the preaching of the word. Mm-hmm. And um, another, I think it was Carl Truman that actually said in, a, in an interview, you know, what's more valuable, mm-hmm. um, you reading your Bible by yourself, which obviously we encourage that, right, or you hearing the exposition of the Bible um, from a man who's poured over it for 20 to 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about my own life. Mm. Certainly reading the scriptures one-on-one is a devotional act. It encourages, it strengthens. The word of God goes in, it's eating, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are fortunate enough to sit under someone who exposits the word, like actually just takes it and walks right through it, then you're getting like a, like a, like a, a, five course meal and a 40 minute visit right mm-hmm. and uh and so that should be how your bible reading goes i want to eat right um and so that's some of the things that i don't know i just i think through yeah and i even think uh i don't remember what book it was it was a long time ago when i read it but somebody was talking about how to be a good like a good church member yeah and one of the things was to read the text for sunday yeah and to even pour over the text for sunday and so yeah. i think like if you're struggling to get back into Bible reading. Like yeah. Start reading Romans 5. Absolutely. If, if you're listening to this this yeah. week, yeah. start reading Romans 5 and, you know, like mm-hmm. jumping in there. And I think... And like, we have one member who bought commentaries for Romans. And he... Re- and huh? I said praise the Lord. And he reads through the commentary before the coming Sunday. Yeah. And normally is prepared to interact with me to my great joy or dismay <laughs> um, after the service. And that's like... Any, I don't, I don't know a single pastor well 
that would be like, oh gosh, this guy again. No, like <laughs> I'm, I'm always thrilled that someone's been spending time in the Word. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also just encouraging to you to yeah. be like, you know, I do want to know my stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I want to make sure I know it. Um, yeah, I think when you think about like reading the scriptures, there are. <laughs> Like you said, everyone has a different personality. Everyone kind mm-hmm. of gets at it differently. And so, and like you said, for the great majority of Christian history, people didn't have their own copies. Yeah. And so, like, to see the scripture itself as a gift, and, you know, yeah. and I think it helps us when we value that it's not something, like, it shouldn't be a commonplace. Mm. Like, oh, it's just a Bible. Like, I'll read it if I want yeah. to. Like, it is a gift. We have it yeah. in our hands. Um uh, so I think this is another interesting, this is just kind of, we'll close with this is kind of the, the cross between, so we've talked about reading good Christian yeah. books. We've talked about reading the Bible and you mentioned commentaries yeah. and walk us through like your process. Cause every preacher is different in this. Yeah. What role does cr- Christian reading apart from the Bible have in your sermon prep? And at what place does it come? Like at what time does it come? Because we're different on this, yeah. and like I think it's it's cool to figure out kind of where we're different. Oh uh, well, I'm trying to remember where we're different. Um, but maybe we're not. I well, we were. I'm so sporadic. I don't know how I can be different or the same than any as anybody. But um, so my reading of a commentary or uh, other uh, Christian books and sermon prep is just really dependent upon need. Yeah. Um, you know this this week I I don't think I read a single commentary. Hmm. Um. Last week, I consulted the Greek, and that was about it. But there are some passages that are like, bro, I need all the help I can get. Um, And so it really is dependent upon the phase. Am I having issue understanding this from a exegetical standpoint? Mm -hmm. Which if I'm having difficulty in an exegetical standpoint, I go to the Greek and look at that. If that doesn't help me, because our translators actually are very good at what they do. Yeah. And so very rarely do I go to the Greek and be like, oh, man, I just totally missed it because right. of the Greek. Um, but the um, but if I'm still having issues, then I go to a more um, academic commentary that's mm-hmm. like here are the basic arguments from the ex- exegetical standpoint. Um, I'll, I might do that early, but I normally do the homiletics, which is the the actual preaching of the text. I did that last. Like, did I, did I organize this in in the best way to understand it? Is there a better option Mm. Did I miss the lens, um, which the lens is like how I should preach through this. What should be the driving theme? Um, and so the, the one commentary I consult almost without fail is Matthew Henry's. Yeah. Um, I, I just think he's next to none. I mean, I, somebody one time said that, John Calvin was the best theologian and commentator, bar none. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Mm-mm. No, Matthew Henry is the best commentator, bar none. And it's free online. <laughs> and it's free online. I mean, I, I, I just I go to him over and over again because his is not only really um, precise and exegetical, it's also very devotional. Mm-hmm. I, I very rarely walk away from Calvin's commentary worshiping. Right. I walk away from Matthew Henry's regularly worshiping. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think like for me differently is I love having like ten books on yeah. the desk that are all commentaries. But do you start with them? No. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm <laughs> so afraid of stealing someone's like intellectual property <laughs> that I I want to have my sermon mapped out before I ever consult, even if I'm not sure about like I want to I want to see like where I'm at. Yeah. 
and here's what I think the interpretation is. And then I yeah. want to be like, okay, am I a heretic? Has yeah, has yeah. the has the you know the historical Christian view been what I am trying to proclaim? Yeah. Um, but then also like I use a confession for that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah but like yeah, yeah. Are, I'm saying not even like in the big idea things, but like, am I, am I, you know, exegeting this passage like it has been explained, you know, throughout Christian history yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to make sure I'm not alone. Yeah. And then sometimes we are alone and we're just like, you know what? We're alone. We're alone. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll be alone together. Uh, but so I kind of, I kind of put commentaries toward the end. Yeah. But I do like to see like ten, and I, I like I have commentaries that I know that I'll disagree with. Yeah, but it's interesting to see where people have landed on on uh, passages that really like is telling of their hermeneutic and kind of yeah you know, maybe where they ended up. Yeah, uh, and so um, I do think like as we think about even the Spurgeon quote, right? Like we live in the Bible, even yeah. in preaching prep, but we still visit the books as yeah. we as we go. All right, you have anything else to say? I don't I don't think so. Alright. I have a <laughs> psalm. It's a it's a verse of the Bible. <laughs> psalm one, one to three. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Mm-hmm. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So, if you're bored of listening to us talk about books, you should have read the fine print. <laughs> oh my goodness. My brother and my friend, <laughs> and Don from miles away. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs>